0: Welcome to Be Happy, a podcast by the Hepatitis B Foundation discussing all things related to Hepatitis B. It's your host, Evangeline, and today we are chatting with Maureen Kamishki of the Hepatitis B Foundation. Welcome, Maureen. Please introduce yourself.
1: Hi, I'm uh, Maureen Kamishki. I'm a mom, uh, a wife, and a woman with a mission dedicated to preventing hepatitis B transmission from... B-positive pregnant women to their babies during delivery. My passion stems from the adoption of our youngest daughter, Maren, uh, came to our family with Hepatitis B. I've been with the Hepatitis B Foundation in some capacity from volunteer roles uh, to full or part-time positions over the last 20 plus years. I'm currently the patient engagement and consult specialist for the Hepatitis B Foundation.
0: Thank you for being here today. Super appreciate it for you to talk about adoption and hepatitis B. Could you tell us more about your experience with adoption?
1: Sure. Um, My husband and I adopted two beautiful girls from China, uh, one from Xi'an, the home of the terracotta warriors. Uh, We adopted her at seven months and one from Hunan. Uh, which is referred to as China's Furnace, uh, and she was adopted at 10 months of age. Raising our girls has truly been the most rewarding experience, but with that, of course, are the challenges that come with raising any child, whether through birth or adoption, though there are certainly some unique challenges when raising a child with hepatitis B.
0: Maureen found out her daughter was living with hepatitis B.
1: After we adopted her, her, she was really sick. We didn't know if she was going to need to be hospitalized there. We couldn't get her to eat. Yeah, she was in bad shape. It was just a mess. Miran's yeah. orphanage was not good. I'm not even sure if she actually got B from her birth mother or if she got it in the orphanage because one of the other kids in our group also was infected.
0: Marine then explained challenges finding appropriate care for her daughter.
1: We didn't have an international specialist, but somebody we were traveling with did.
0: Mm-hmm. So we
1: um, we called this person. We had like, our phone bill was over $1,000. But it didn't matter because we, w- we would have spent $2,000 if it got us some of the information we needed. Of course, she didn't know that Marin had Hep B, but she gave us a list, a two-page list of all these tests that we should have the pediatrician just balked at He's like, I can't give her that. He said, my God, she's going to need a transfusion after she has all those labs. He said, you know, she had some of those tests done. It says they're negative. I'm like, but they're not legitimate, you know, because he wouldn't, he wouldn't choose to repeat testing of my other daughter either. I think he thought it was like a slap to the providers in China. You know, really, it's just that the lab's weren't that good, especially at that time, right? You know, it wasn't meant to be any kind of an insult to any, to the Chinese doctor. You know, they really didn't have the, you know, the testing available to them. He was pretty ignorant about it. And then he didn't know what to do, didn't call me back. I mean, I had to call them.
0: They eventually diagnosed her daughter with hepatitis B and she was able to receive appropriate treatment. However, challenges still came with discrimination.
1: I mean, you really felt the stigma, um, you know, when, when you're there dealing with it. Um, people just made such horrible comments. I mean, when we were giving a presentation, we, you know, we had a picture with the four girls together and, and I said, well, two of these girls has hepatitis B. And I eventually pointed to and because, you know, she wasn't there, so it didn't really matter, you know, and they said, oh, and you could hear them. And I couldn't believe they said it in in English, you know? Um, they are like, oh, I knew it was her. She looks sick, doesn't she? <laughs> oh yeah. my God, I mean, at least you could do a say it in Mandarin so I don't understand what you're saying.
0: Marina now explains her perspective on disclosing your child's hepatitis B status, especially since it could lead to more stigma.
1: You don't need to share your child's Hep B status with anyone other than their healthcare providers. Um, it's really important to make them aware of your child's Hep B status you know, for the health and safety of your child, so that they consider, you know, your child's liver health when prescribing medications and treatments, uh, and when they're ordering or reviewing any blood work so that they're on the lookout uh, for, for things that may be out of limits. Um, your child's providers are required to follow standard precautions, so they shouldn't be doing anything different uh, when interacting or preparing for an appointment with, with your child you know, any differently than than they would do for anyone else. So if you see your provider taking extraordinary precautions uh, because of your child and their status, you really either have to say something or seriously consider changing providers. Other people, you know, should you disclose the happy status of your child? My advice would be to initially sit on this really private information until you're completely comfortable with your understanding of the hepatitis B virus and what it's like to live with a chronic infection uh, that may result in stigmatization. That means that if you're considering a child with Hep B as a special need, you're better off not discussing the details with others. Join a support group. There are a lot of adoptive parents out there have great insights on living, uh, living with a kid with Hep B, or give the Hepatitis B Foundation a call. There are also pediatricians that specialize in international adoptions that you can consult with. Uh, your pediatrician may not be as aware as you might like. Once you're home, I would still recommend not widely sharing your child's Hepatitis B status, since it really is their personal information. Once it's out there, you can't take it back. So since we were so surprised with Marin's diagnosis, um, it was a little bit more challenging for us. And I can say we definitely made mistakes when it came to disclosure. We learned the hard way. Uh, we initially told family members, some of whom were somewhat ignorant about anything medically oriented. If you've seen my Just be video, I describe a family event where it felt like I was walking into the room carrying a bomb rather than a baby. Uh, it just was not a good situation. Um, we had other challenges with Marin that may have been a little unique. Uh, she required early intervention services you know, offered by the public school system uh, when we got home. Because she was actually symptomatic and was being treated, we decided to disclose to the staff about her HEP B. Then, you know, then I was shocked uh, when they asked us to switch from our homeschool uh, because of her HEP B infection. They evidently had a staff member that was not vaccinated. She had no interest in getting vaccinated, and she flat out refused to work with our daughter. Um, Later, we learned Maren's information was being shared with other staff, which was a concern, of course, because she was going to be at that elementary school. So that forced us to consult with a civil rights attorney to try to nip that in the bud. The principal at that elementary school was absolutely furious when I did this, and she made our experience at that school uh, pretty horrible for the entire time she was there. Um, So my advice really is to keep your child's personal information to a small number of people uh, that will not overreact to the situation. Um, And I will say that you may be surprised to find out, surprised to see some of the reactions. Some of the people that you think are going to take it in stride don't and other people that you would expect would have a problem with it are perfectly fine. Um, So really want to think about that before you disclose. It it is a tough decision and you, you know, you feel like you're keeping this deep, dark secret, but really, you know, it's not your information to share. You know, initially we definitely made that mistake, but, you know, even when I became uh, a Just Be storyteller, you know, I, at at that point, Marin was a teenager and I asked her how she felt about it because I wasn't going to refer to her by name or talk that specifically about her you know, on something that was going to be on on YouTube uh, without her permission. Yep, it was was a mistake to disclose. What surprised me was the family member, you know, had actually, you know, was a teacher, should have been vaccinated, had lived overseas, should have been Mm -hmm. vaccinated, you know, could have actually been infected. So it was just sort of, uh, that's what I mean about you just never know.
0: While there might be some social challenges associated with hepatitis B, there are also medical challenges associated with hepatitis B. Marina explains more.
1: So, most children living with chronic hepatitis B really experience fewer or no symptoms. Um, unless they're specifically tested for Hep B, it's unlikely you'd ever know until later on in life when they're tested. Um, if you're adopting a child from an endemic area, I would highly recommend testing for hepatitis B once you're back home with your child, uh, even if they were tested in country. Um, you know, keep in mind that your pediatrician may not have any experience with hep B and they may not think to test for it. So it's going to be up to you to bring that to their attention. Um most children are, are in what used to be referred to as the immune tolerant phase or HBEAG positive chronic hepatitis B phase. Uh, this is when uh, the child has a very high viral load, but there's really little or no inflammation, you know, no, noted by elevated liver enzymes like ALT and AST. Uh, they they go through their, they may go through their entire childhood without the need for treatment. Um, Although they're not experiencing liver damage during this phase, they are highly infectious and that really can cause, you know, a lot of stress for the parents uh, of young children. Um, It's also important for parents to recognize and commit to biannual monitoring with blood work and ultrasounds for their child. These blood draws can really be traumatic for little ones. Uh, as a parent you come up with strategies you know to minimize the trauma uh, for me I chose to drive uh, an hour uh, to Johns Hopkins so Marin could have her labs drawn by a pediatric phlebotomist uh, we had had a terrible experience at you know at a major lab uh, with drawing blood um, they had to draw it through her hand you know it took forever it was just it was pretty awful so the the blood draws, you know, after we would, she would have her blood drawn, we'd get a snack in Hopkins Cafeteria. It was like we'd make a morning of it. Uh, you know, Marin even, she once convinced the cafeteria worker to make her a mini pizza. He actually fired up the, you know, the, the pizza oven before they even opened so that she could get her pizza before she left. Um, unfortunately, uh, Maren was actually symptomatic when we met her. You know, she was weak, she was fatigued, she had very little appetite and she had pale stools. Um, When we got her home, uh, we had two pages of labs from the international specialist we had called uh, to run to try to figure out what was going on. Our pediatrician uh, was experienced, but knew nothing about hepatitis B and international adoption. Um, He did not want to run the labs and grumbled that she was going to need a transfusion after all the blood work. Um, he, I had to call him to get the test results. I don't think he knew what to do with it. When I finally got someone, she said, oh, well, of course you know, she has a touch of hepatitis B. And I thought, well, what's that mean? Um, so I immediately asked for a pediatric consult since he clearly uh, wasn't able to tell me what was going on. Um, got in right away, had a liver biopsy within weeks, and she started treatment with interferon the next day. Um, you know, hers was definitely an intense situation, uh, made even more stressful, uh, since, you know, she had just come home. She'd only been home for, you know, a couple of months. So she had a new family, she was sick and she was in a completely different environment. Um, I had another friend through adoption, who's, Son had Hep B. He was a really active little four year old boy, and he came to this country with cirrhosis. And, you know, seeing him run around, I mean, you you have no idea that he had uh, cirrhosis from hepatitis B. So, you know, the majority of kids with chronic Hep B don't have any symptoms or very few, and the infection is, is very manageable, but there are exceptions, and you just have to be prepared to address that in case you run up against, you know, some sort of a challenging situation.
0: Like Maureen said, hepatitis B is a manageable disease. When I asked her about being worried about transmission to family and friends, she said, We
1: can all be really thankful that the hepatitis, the hepatitis B is a vaccine preventable disease. Um, In the U.S., the initial dose of the hep B vaccine is recommended as a birth dose, you know, in the first 24 hours of birth for all children. Um, the vaccine is typically completed within the first year of life. Uh, and it's mandated for daycare in schools in all but just a couple of states in the U.S. So that takes care of siblings, um, you know, at home and playmates. Uh, so you can feel, you know, pretty good about that. Um, older adults like grandparents, you know, that might also be caregivers should receive the two or three dose hep B vaccine series, uh, though that the two dose hep B vaccine from Dynavax might be a better choice in older adults or in adults that might be overweight or have diabetes uh, as it tends to be more effective. Um, another key point uh, to remember is that hepatitis B is not transmitted casually. Um, it spread through direct contact with blood, which is literally blood to blood contact. So open cut to open cut. Um, following simple precautions with, you know, not only your child but all children, all people is really what keeps everyone safe. Uh, that was a big lesson for me getting accustomed to that. And then you know, once I really uh, thought about it, I mean, it just it just makes sense. Um, so, you know, you got to keep your cuts covered, keep a barrier between you and any, any blood, you know. So just, you know, all it means is keeping band-aids, towels, paper towels in your home, your car, you know, at a sporting event. Uh, and of course, making sure that you're, you know, washing your hands or any body parts that are exposed to blood with soap and water. Um, and then there's just, you know, when you have a blood spill, you, any blood spill, you clean it with a solution of one part bleach to nine parts water. Um, and just keep in mind that it's not just your child who has this known infection. There are plenty of other people out there infected with Hep B or other bloodborne pathogens or just something else. Uh, and you, you know, you they may be completely unaware, and certainly you don't know. So if you just follow these simple precautions, you know, it keeps you and your child and everybody else safe. Treatment is relatively straightforward these days. If kids enter into the immune clearance phase where they have um, a persistent elevation in liver enzymes or evidence of fibrosis, um, they're typically treated with oral antivirals uh, that they dispense in a pill or liquid form. Um, Currently, there are three treatments approved for kids um, and and tenofovir TDF, which are both antivirals, are approved for kids ages two and older. Uh, PEG interferon uh, is approved for kids ages three and older and TAF which is a pro drug of tenofovir TDF is currently in clinical trials uh, in three cohorts of kids uh, ages 12 through 18, 6 through 12 and 2 through 6. Um, When Marin needed treatment she was young uh, only 14 months and there were really limited options at that time. Um, because her liver biopsy showed significant fibrosis and she was a good candidate. She was treated with interferon for six months. Interferon is given as an injectable. Uh, It can have, it's a tough protocol. and has challenging side effects and it requires careful monitoring with more frequent blood work than you would have with antivirals. We uh, dedicated our guest room as the shot room. We would Whisk her in, give her the injection, pop her in a warm bath, and she was pretty happy. Um, initially, the side effects were pretty tough for her. You know, she'd run a fever, had aches and pains, uh, and extreme fatigue. But you know, she was a baby, and um, you know, so it, it it was okay if she slept. And really, she was a trooper. Uh, we even brought her to Disney World uh, while she was being treated. Um, it's tough, um, you know, with the injections and the labs. Um, you know, she, she refused to go into that guest room for a couple of years. As soon as she crossed the threshold, she'd start crying. You know, unfortunately, Mirren um, was a non-responder to interferon, and her liver enzymes jumped back up, you know, after about 18 months. Um, so she was put on an antiviral, which sounds comparatively easy, but it was this banana-flavor liquid. And she hated bananas, um, so it was pretty challenging getting her to drink it. Um, but once we finally got her drinking it, you know, taking it daily, we noticed a, a real increase in her energy level within a couple of months, uh, which was great. And then eventually, Marin actually cleared her Hep B infection, which is very uncommon. Um, and we just really felt incredibly lucky. Um, you know, and and blessed. I mean, I I'm still paying it forward, right? I mean, what more can you do? Because we're just so lucky that she's okay.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So, Marin right now doesn't have any Hep B infection at all. Um,
1: she's surface antigen negative and has no viral load.
0: Wow, that's incredible. That is super rare.
1: Yeah, it's very rare. So. Wow. Yeah, you. Lucky.
0: You are feeling very blessed. Yes. Wow. Well, that's incredible for her. I've never heard of that. I didn't, I didn't even know your daughter. I thought your daughter still was living with it. I didn't nope. know she cleared it. Wow, that's really amazing. No,
1: nope. only about one percent of people will clear the the infection per year. You know, spontaneously yeah. clear it. So it, it's it's yeah. pretty unusual.
0: Yeah, and she, if she, I guess she acquired it as a baby too. So
1: yes, yeah, so, so she still fall under the category of being, you know, a person that would most likely. Have it for life.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, is that the right statistic I was thinking about? Or right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's even like crazier that she cleared it.
1: Yes. Yes. She was really very lucky. But that seems to occasionally happen with these kids. Like even with that little boy I was talking about that had cirrhosis, Mm -hmm. he also cleared it. I think sometimes when you have this really aggressive disease, Mm-hmm. You no, know, it's obviously anecdotal, but you know, you have this really aggressive disease that sometimes it just sort of, you know, peters out at the end. Um, fortunately, Marin's, you know, she was able to clear it before, you know, she developed cirrhosis, you know, but this other kid, you know, he cleared it as well. But of course, you know, his liver was cirrhotic. Oh,
0: yeah. Wow. Well, good for Marin, honestly. And then obviously good for you. Now you don't have oh, really yeah. to worry about it at all, you know? Yep. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, will a hepatitis B diagnosis for children greatly affect their quality of life, like school, other activities like sports, theater, hanging out with other kids?
1: So, there's really no reason that your child's hepatitis B infection should physically affect their quality of life. Um, Most kids feel perfectly fine and their hep B infections uh, don't impact their athletic performance uh, or or participation in a sport. Um, I, I can assure you that there are world-class athletes out there living and competing with hepatitis B. We're just not aware of it. Um, the challenging part is, is the emotional aspects of living with this virus. There is stigma associated with hepatitis B, as you well know. Um, you know, your child could feel embarrassed about their status as they get a little older and hear about it discussed as a sexually transmitted disease or a disease among injecting drug users. Um, I often hear from people, young people overseas who first learn of their hep B infection. They can't imagine how they could have gotten it when they've never had sex, never injected drugs. I mean, it's really, um, it's really hard for them. They just, they just aren't aware. Um, You know, your child will know that they're know of their infection and how they got it. Uh, But of course, there will be doubts and concerns as they reach adolescence Uh, and they're interested in branching out, you know, as they start socializing more and dating or want to confide in people and friends. Uh, It can be really hard for them. Uh, Fortunately, you know, vaccine recommendations and mandates for school take away a lot of this burden um, at this time. But it's really key for parents uh, to be ready for these conversations uh, and to start them uh, with their child um, and to seek counseling for your child or for your family uh, if there continues to be a problem. Uh, often parents and their kids are relieved when they actually are put on treatment. This happens with adults too, um, especially prior to going away to college. It's just, you know, there's just one less worry Uh, with the transmission, you know, knowing that the virus is suppressed.
0: Obviously there's going to be some hesitancies with prospective parents adopting a child with hepatitis B. Maureen offers her insight.
1: So before adopting a child with hepatitis B, it's really important to learn all that you can about living with the virus uh, to be sure that this is the best decision for you and your family. Um, The internet and Dr. Google can make it all sound, uh, terrifying. Um, but really it is a manageable chronic condition and there's no reason to think that your child won't live a full and healthy life, you know, as long as they're properly managed and, you know, make, you know, reasonable lifestyle choices. Um, there are going to be some bumps in the road. Uh, there always are, you know, because having a child, whether it's through birth or adoption, you know, truly is a leap of faith.
0: Yeah, it's definitely gonna take um, someone ready to to um, go through, I guess, not what you did, completely exactly the same, but somewhat of the similar path, you know?
1: Right, they may not have a, a symptomatic child, yeah. um, but, you know, you there are still things you're gonna have to address with your child. Um, yeah. You know, I would say probably the, for the kids, it's always the lab work, um, mm. but later on when they're, when they're a little bit older, you know, there's more the concern with, gee, you know, why do I have this or, mm. uh, who, who should I tell or should I keep it to myself or what about boys and all our boys or girls, whatever. I have a daughter, so I think what about, but anyway, <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. But you're so right though. There's, there's bumps in the road, but there always are. And this is just happened to be a, a different kind of bump, you
1: know? Yes. It's a different kind of bump.
0: Maureen offers one last piece of advice for parents who are considering adoption.
1: Well, I say take a deep breath and uh, prepare to step up and be your child's advocate. Uh, hepatitis B is manageable. It's preventable for vaccination. Um, there are knowledgeable pediatric liver specialists out there. There are great resources like the Hepatitis B Foundation there are excellent support communities out there, all out there waiting to, you know, address your concerns. So I suggest, you know, get involved and be the best advocate possible for your child.
0: Thank you, Maureen. This was amazing.
1: Evangeline, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, you can get in contact with us at info if you have any questions. And stay tuned for the next episode.